Hey, welcome to Geekly Reveal. It's shit, last week's pop culture stuff. How you doing? It's your boy, your host, your guy, Dom, aka Brother Dom, all over the internet. And once again, I'm joined by the leanest, the meanest, the sickest. Would you like to tell the people who you are? Howdy, y'all. It is I, as always, uh, Stephanie, aka Captain Steph on Twitter, the Snow Queer on Tumblr. Brain's a little fried this week, um, <laughs> but. You know, it's we're recording. It's only Tuesday, but you know, sometimes you have those kind of weeks, and I'm gonna push through. How are you yeah, doing, Dom? I, I'm not doing that. Uh, my life's going pretty well, actually. I can blame that on a lot of things. Pop, <laughs> pop culture, blame, quote unquote. Well, I, I'm gonna blame. Oh, well, I can blame your life to going it. well. I, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's crazy, but a lot a lot of things in real life are actually improving. Um. On the greater scheme of the world, things are horrible, uh, but <laughs> Sonic Mania is fun. <laughs> but at least there's Sonic Mania. That's you know you know bring bringing the world to a better place. Um, a, a lot of people seem to think so actually, but uh, you know th- things are going well. I've just been tired. I've actually been eating and sleeping better, which is throwing my body into shock. But <sighs> it's a it's good shock. <laughs> so is that? That's good. Yeah. So how about you, Yetta? You had a nice weekend, right? Yeah, I had a pretty hectic weekend. I have been... Oh, there's my cat. I have been busy since... Really, since Thursday night. Like, full throttle. But, That's um, the weekend, yo. But yeah, I've had... I had a, um... Bachelorette party. For a, a, a good friend from high school. Nice, nice. On, uh... Friend of the podcast as well. I'm pretty sure she listens. Friday and Saturday... And then on Sunday, I popped into FlameCon for the uh, for the run of the day. It was twelve open, open twelve to six on Friday or on on Sunday, so that's when I was there. Oh my so. gosh, Stephanie! But what is FlameCon? Oh my gosh, Dom! Let me tell you about FlameCon. FlameCon is run by Geeks Out, which is a queer nerdy community or like um, organization in New York City, and it is in its third year of offering a um, like, safe and inclusive LGBT-centered, um, nerdy con-going experience. Flamecon's a hell of a name for such a thing like that, kind of, like, almost a little bit on the nose. Yeah, I think also there's a little bit of a, like, a Johnny Storm pun there. Oh, like Flamecon, okay. Flamecon, Flamon. Good thing they had it on Sunday, before the eclipse, when they would have lost all their power. I don't know. Well, does Johnny Storm have the same problem as a firebender? I guess he is kind of a firebender. Yeah. I, um, you know, I don't know, but, like, he thrives on attention, and if everyone's looking at the sun, they're not looking at him. He's, like, flying back and forth in front of people trying to look up at the sun. Look at me, 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 look at me. (laughs) (laughs) So how, how was FlameCon? Flamecon was good. It was really fun. Um, I ran into so many people. Or like, well, I met, oh, I met some cool people that I had not met before, but had heard of, and I also um, ran into a bunch of people, um, including a guy I studied, um, guy I studied abroad with, and only studied abroad with, other guy I studied abroad with, um, who was Evan, who we've had on the show before, um, yeah, cosplayer cool and crafter. Um, Evan's significant other, who uh, we met at, um... New York, right? New York Comic Con last year. Uh, Zora, also a friend of the podcast, former guest, um, was there with 
the Margins Publishing crew and Shill and the Dates comic. Um, I met Kate Leth. I met Jay Justice, the cosplayer. I talked to, but did not really interact with, the girl who writes the Check, Please comic, because I still haven't read Check, Please, but I would, my roommate wanted me to buy her keychain. Um, talked a little bit to Carrie Peach, who's writing the, or who's uh, drawing the Adventure Zone comic, graphic slash graphic novel. Chatted with the author of Space Battle Lunchtime. His name, I think, is Natalie Reese. Um... She was pretty cool. She was. Uh, we actually. I asked her to, if she'd be interested in coming on the podcast. She was. She did like a kind of like, oh, kind of that would like very excited face. So potentially oh, look forward I, to that in the future. I feel like there's like we're both doing the Steven Universe star eyes at the prospect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story so much. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Who else? Um. And and they think they, it's funny. People see, like, two queer people in a work of fiction. Like, that's unrealistic to have that many queer people in one spot. It's mm-hmm. like, have you met a demographic of people before? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody does this. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, and I am probably forgetting... Oh, I also met um, best-selling authors Natalie... Oh my god, no one's named Natalie. Um, best-selling authors Mackenzie Lee and um, Adam Silvera. Both write queer YA. Um, I love that book, Queer YA. I know, right? Um, it's and... fun to stay at the Queer YA. <laughs> but uh, that was pretty awesome. Actually, um, will be working with Mackenzie in my professional life, um, but I have never actually met her in person, so well, that very, was neat. Very nice. Um, it seemed like you were doing the wheeling and dealing, getting the getting the wheels turning. Yeah, like, it's it's funny, it's not necessarily, like, it was not even necessarily on purpose, I was just like, man, is this, like, like, maybe all queer people do know each other, like. Um, you know, there, there, I, I think there might be something, I mean, no, obviously not, but <laughs> something to that in the <laughs> sense that, like, when you are a marginalized group, or, mm-hmm. actually, not even a marginalized group, if you're just a group that can be identified by something somewhat specific, I think a lot of people know each other. Like, if you back on campuses, people would say, uh, not to be racist, Dom, but like, do all the black people know each other? I'm like, obviously not. They're like, no, not not actually know each other, but do a lot of people know each other? And then I thought about, I'm like, yeah, I know people in departments that I have no business knowing. I don't know why I know them. Um, but then you look at like a lot of like the, like the Rainbow Alliance, they would know each other only on the basis of that. So and you pull it back, mm-hmm. and I don't know, people that played flag football would like not religiously, but, like, frequently or, like, or intramural soccer would know each other. So it's, it doesn't have to even be a marginalized group. If you identify yourself by some tag on a WordPress blog, you mm-hmm. probably are at least in passing familiar with other people that match that tag, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, black, yeah, not all black and queer people know each other, actually. <laughs> we just would like to. <laughs> Glad to, yeah. <laughs> Glad we covered that, yeah. But um, but also among people I talked to were Amy Reader, who's involved with the uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur comic, A+. Mm. Let's see. Lots of cool people there. And, so uh, many, so many cool people. You cosplayed, right? I did cosplay. I wore my, I, I, I broke out my um, handy-dandy um, tracer costume, because... Miss Oxton? Yeah, Ms. Lena. Um was 
about as easy of a costume as I was interested in doing because I didn't have to wear a wig or <laughs> um, really do much, but it also was a queer costume, so that was pretty on point where I was heading. Uh, yeah, I was like, I f- figure it was the theme was there. Oh yeah, the namesake ladies were there. Sorry, I'm just scrolling through. Kevin Wada was there. Just <laughs> scrolling through the through the, uh, the list now and being like, oh yeah, how about that one? I need to figure out like to have like some queer costume because I don't think I have any canon queer characters. I'll say yeah, unless you count your Alexander Hamilton one. Like I said, canon. <laughs> um, that one was debatable. Chris Anka. Um, I might pull out some Splatoon stuff again this year. Um, all right, and I might bring Sonic back. I talked to our our, uh, our mutual friend, our buddy Eric. He he said he might do Eggs the Man if I do oh, nice. Runs the Hedgehog. So it could be uh, <laughs> we, we we can fulfill that long dream from uh <laughs> from Duncon. <laughs> TBT. We uh we had a uh for the listeners it, there was a there was a joke between a group of us right and uh, we considered doing we were trying to figure out like what's a group we could do and we we mentioned like. And the one guy's like, oh, what about, like, the Donkey Kong crew? There's, like, 17 Kongs or something. Um, and he's like, I- I'll be I'll be Donkey Kong. I'll do that. And I'm like, look, man, uh, out of the Kongs, Diddy Kong's my favorite because he, like, has the pop gun and he has a speaker in Donkey Kong Country too. Mm-hmm, um, but you were like, there's no like, way I'm ever dressing up as a monkey. There's a 0% chance that I'm going to dress up as a monkey if they're not if I do not also have Caucasian friends similarly dressed up as a... Uh, <laughs> uh, simian creatures uh <laughs> or, or, or like monkeys and, and apes and gorillas and stuff so i mean if, if a few of us of, of, of a multicultural background were all kongs it wouldn't feel so bad mm-hmm. and it's weird i don't know if the kongs are supposed to fit some specific stereotype uh i don't think they are it's weird but like they have the dk rap mm-hmm. but like other than that they have like surfer personalities or just whatever like their specific occupation is it's weird but yeah the dk crew one day coming at you coming soon one day someday <laughs> and you uh you finished the adventure zone this week right yeah so the um lord oh my word um so the adventure zone <laughs> finale um dropped as was there i only i'd only caught up in time really to be like catching up on regular updates for like the the three-part finale chapter um so it wasn't like like a long wait or like an ordeal or anything but like as is the usually as is their usual update time they updated on thursday um around lunchtime so i found myself i had a huge project due last week but i managed to find myself it was three hours long this um this finale so i managed to find myself three hours of like administrative stuff that i could do <laughs> during that time you know, that so work that I is could... not that bad. Like, administrative work sometimes can be really zen. <laughs> yeah, so that I could download the episode and listen to it, like, on work time while also still getting stuff done. But I, like, with meetings and stuff happening that afternoon, like, I didn't actually finish it until after I had left work and was out running errands. And, like, I really should have saved last half hour for, like, when I could cuddle up in my room alone because, like, it wasn't sad. Like, it was very um heartfelt actually and like not even bittersweet it was like it was a genuinely happy ending for almost everyone involved um and 
like we, we'll by the time this episode comes out, there will be an excellent post written by one of our uh, co-writers on Lady Geek Girl and Friends exa- about exactly that. Um, When's it go up tomorrow our time? It, it'll go up tomorrow our time, so Wednesday um, of this week. It, just like about how, even though almost everyone got a happy ending, it doesn't feel cheesy because it it was a natural progression of their character arcs to to go from being kind of sarcastic and disaffected and unattached and they spent all this time building these bonds with each other and in the end it was the bonds they they had formed with the like all the NPCs that helped them save the day and so they they earned the happy ending as opposed to it just being kind of hand delivered to them see that's that's cool i i feel like the macaroons could get away with a cheesy ending with their like cuz they're they're sincere in what mm-hmm. i can tell so I think, like, cheesiness doesn't hurt people when it's sincere, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I'm glad it's not, because it's, it's much better something, like, real intense and, like, legit, but mm-hmm. I don't think cheesiness is necessarily that bad anymore. Yeah, I think it's something that I've been... We've talked about this before, I don't know if on the show, but, like, within... At least between the two of us, like... And it's something that I've observed, at, like, not just here but like as a general cultural movement towards like what's the next big thing and it seems to be like sincerely told stories that just make you feel like make you feel good you know like you know i i wonder if and not even like feel good but like make you think in but not in like a like grim dark and grumpy way like things yeah, like, that have hope like i think it's i think it's hard like i haven't seen like a feel good story it wasn't like a kids movie kind of thing that didn't feel like there was a little bit of love into it. Like if it's believable, I think it's there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the crowd favorite for me is always going to be like Overwatch and Sonic Mania because that's the kind of year it is. Um, uh-huh. But the, the operative word people tend to talk about with when they're talking about Overwatch or Sonic Mania, if you haven't seen, just go check out any review, is fun, right? Um, or they'll say this yeah. is a labor of love. Like when you see Jeff Kaplan talking about Overwatch. When he says stuff like the cheesy line that uh, Winston's creator said, you know, like, don't imagine the world how it is, but how it could be. When he mm-hmm. says stuff like that, he doesn't seem to be saying, <laughs> yeah, look, look at this. It's like, we do see the world as a diverse place, with, which could possibly have uh, all kinds of heroes. And I think we need that. And the people that made Sonic Mania, like, they were making up Sonic fan games and ROM hacks way before they were being asked to do it by the company. So obviously... If they're willing to do it for free, imagine how good they would do if you gave them money and resources. And I don't think you can... When someone actually loves something and cares, you're not going to get a cynical product. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the McElroys are able to deliver on that because they're not just trying to tell a good story to tell a good story. They are. They want to tell a good story. Uh, let me rephrase that. They're not telling a good story for the sake of like getting accolades. They're telling a good story because they wanted to do that. Like, I think that's true. I think, like, there is some sense of, like, we want th- we want to care about things. Like, we don't want to, like, we're tired of being, like, disaffected. Yes. Like, sad grown-ups. Like, we want to be able to genuinely enjoy things. Although, to t- bounce off your uh, mention of Overwatch here, um, and tie it back to FlameCon real fast... It was very funny when because I 
met Mackenzie Lee and Adam Silvera because they were tabling um, to sign books. Um, books of Wonder, which is a local children's bookstore, had a table and they were selling all kinds of different queer slash queer friendly books. And Mackenzie and Adam were signing, and so I went up and introduced myself to Mackenzie because I'm going to be working with her, and I just, like, was talking to both of them, and they asked me about what my costume was, and they said, like, I've heard a lot about this game, but I don't know anything about it, like, why is it popular? And I said, like, oh, well, it's, like, it's kind of just, like, it's a shooting game, but, like, it's got a lot of love from, like, other places because it's very inclusive, like, Tracer, the character in Dressed is, like, the mascot carrier, and she's, like, canonically a lesbian in the story. Like, they're inclusive of, like, there's autistic character, their characters, like, heroes from all over the world, like, represented. Um, and Adam was like, you know, like, I just got a PS4 and a lot of my friends have been telling me that I should get it. And she was like, but I remember when I used to have Halo and I would play, like, against people, like, being really annoyed because I would just, like, I would go out and I would get shot and I would respawn and I would go out and I would get shot again. And I was like... This game's built you, in a way that you have to, like... That won't happen. I was like, you could possibly be frustrated playing Overwatch, but... <laughs> um, if you just pick but it up, there's, there's enough to stop that. Like, uh, that th- it does yeah. do some things that fix that, which is... I mean, it is inclusive on some of those levels, too. Speaking of that, I saw a thing floating around Twitter. Um, there was people kind of calling Overwatch out. Um, uh, or Blizzard. For not... A Blizzard. Yeah, for not... Uh, for not having... For claiming to be a diverse game, but not making it that possible to play from most of the continent of Africa. Um, there's no How servers so, there. Like, so there's servers just... for the Americas, Europe, and Asia, right? Um, mm-hmm. But... Which is... Especially crappy considering that they like, made like a big fuss about their recent African characters, like Yes, so so one guy pointed out, he's like, Look, you know, someone he's someone said, Oh, how come there's not any African nations represented in the World Cup? And it's like, Well, Blizzard didn't choose the teams, they just it's like the top sixteen or whatever countries that performed um during the competitive ladder, so they got it they got to pick teams and go. And the guy's like, Well and I forget what country he said he was from. He's like, I have to play connected to a European server, so my ping, which is kind of like how fast your internet can like connect to other things, it's, it's, to make it simple, is like plus 300. And I, me, I play optimally at 25 ping, so the lower the better. You ideally want like one. He's playing at like 300 plus minimum. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you're like, oh, cool, I'm about to shoot that person, and the computer can't register where you're shooting, so you have to be so much better to even, like, be half as good kind of thing. Uh-huh. He's like, without a server in anywhere in Africa, there's no chance any of us are going to really be able to play to that high of a competitive level. Ergo, we'll never be able to get to the World Cup like we could, but we'd have to be so ridiculously good that if we actually went there, we would just stomp everybody, but probably not be able to play without lag. Um, mm-hmm. And someone was like, oh, yeah, look at Blizzard, like... And, and, and I don't think it was just, like, black people or African-descended people saying this, like, oh, yeah, Miss, Mr. I'm so diverse, Overwatch, meanwhile, doesn't have a single server in Africa. Um, and then people were like, you know, there's the infrastructure might not be there in all the countries or blah, blah, blah. And someone's like, Blizzard's a, like a, a rich company. They could put one down as a test in any place they want, whether it works or not, and put that as, like, marketing budget. Like, do you know how good it would look to say, hey... We're one of the few companies that's making sure to have support in in an area. On probably. the entire continent of Africa. Yeah. Like, anywhere. Like, literally anywhere. Like, not, I mean, I know there's multiple countries and it's a huge continent. So, obviously, it's not a monolith. 
but like there's not one but um, it's an extra bad look it, like to not have anything anywhere yeah like if you had one and it wasn't enough you could make that claim for the americas Asia. you could make that claim i think south america might have the same issue actually um but they have a much better chance than you know trying to connect to the asian or european servers from let's say kenya or something mm-hmm. um, so that was kind of also another thing where they wanted to talk about like you know this is actually a te- tech solution to a social problem like black people and africans aren't bad at overwatch they just are playing with a handicap and the infrastructure is not there to let them succeed in the way it would be for someone who lives in los angeles so um i thought that was interesting yeah that is interesting um another quick thing about video games and then we'll jump back to some other stuff horizon zero dawn they have a new patch coming out that's allowing for story difficulty have you seen anything about this did you read the article um i did read the article and i am a total supporter of this kind of stuff um not just for me as a person who is generally bad at video games um but also, obviously, for like the fact that this makes it accessible to, like, the story accessible to a much wider audience. Yeah. So, so for those who don't know, um, it had a new difficulty setting called Ultra Hard, which you know, it's for that. Um, but we got a new patch as of this posting. It's on the Sony blog. Uh, it's called Story Difficulty, which basically, um, among the, mo- the noticeable things, it says it boosts the player's inflicted damage, like so the the, the Aloy does, and reduces the player's received damage considerably, making the combat much more manageable for less experienced players and pretty much making it a non-issue so that the combat is just basically you're doing it as a story beat rather than for the sake of the combat. And I agree with you completely. Um, the people that would consider themselves the most hardcore and care about successive games would probably agree with us. I mean, it's even good for people who are like, I've already beat this game and I really don't care about the hard parts again. I just want to go through the story and experience the world. So there's a, I, I, I like stuff like this. You know, this game doesn't have to beat you up in the face just to be enjoyable you know mm-hmm. and some people are like yeah actually the combat was trash anyway which <laughs> and i think some people were like hey i want to be able to just like jump through some of the hoops a little easier um the comments are actually yeah I, I, most of the comments are pretty positive you know what i mean um, uh-huh like it isn't like the kind of like filthy casual but there's a couple people saying get good and there are people like oh yeah cool meme bro um but i mean they're yeah most of the people are like this is you know this is it's not bad like more people playing the game more people experiencing it i I think more games should have stuff like that um and people would always ask well what about the challenge what about the trophies or achievements i i you could probably lock that stuff behind the harder difficulties honestly because if you're going for like 100 percent completion then you're you're, i feel like you're the willing to play who, that. Yeah, the people who are that kind of, like, completionist are people, generally, who are, like, comfortable playing the game to some extent. Like, as far as, like, maybe from, like, an accessibility standpoint. Like, yeah. if, they, if like, you have a disability or something, that could be frustrating. Yeah, um, depending on, like, how much of a motor disability it is. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think for... That, that's something games still need to get past it's it's difficult but other than that i, I think yeah it's good stuff it's video games video why not games. let everybody get a chance to play um yes so two movies two movie things yeah two movie things um both kind of apparently origin story movies um 
One I am much more excited about than the other. That's because you don't like shit shows the way that I do. <laughs> so the one that I'm excited about um, announced last week that the next standalone Star Wars movie is going to be an Obi-Wan movie after the Han Solo movie is rescued from wherever it tra- whatever trash fire it is currently in. Um, it is... And, like, some small part of me is, like, how many women exist in the Star Wars extended universe? Not enough to have another movie, apparently. Not enough to have a standalone movie about them. But I'm pretty excited about the Obi-Wan movie. I'm hoping that um, Ewan McGregor will be involved in some way. Um, although it's been... I, I don't think it... Obviously, it, w- it wouldn't be able to be an origin story movie if it's... Um, if he plays Obi-Wan because he was playing young Obi-Wan, like, what, like 20 years ago now? <laughs> 15 years ago when Phantom Menace came out? Hmm. Like, Revenge of the Sith came out when we were in high school. So, like, that was, that was all 10 years ago, bud. So it's (laughs) (laughs) so it's got to be fifteen plus when Phantom Menace air like first came out. Let's see, something like that. A nineteen ninety nine American epic space opera film, direct written and directed by George Lucas. We were nine years old. We had not even busted double digits. When Ian McGregor started playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> well, yeah, never busting the double digits. <laughs> and, um, so, like, that's, that's gonna be 20 years ago by the time they make this <laughs> Obi-Wan movie. So, basically... Ewan McGregor continues to be a very attractive man, but he no longer looks like he did in 1999. So unless they pull some more of their CGI voodoo, they're going to have to set it at some point probably around... Maybe, like, in the... Like, in the hole between, like, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Maybe he doesn't go immediately into hiding on Tatooine and just sit in, in like, a sand cave for 20 years. But, regardless... Um, I like Obi-Wan as a character. I think he's interesting. I'd like to watch some of the Clone Wars and, like, uh, Rebel series kind of get a little bit more of a a feel for his, like, currently canonical backstory. But I dig it. I'm excited. Good. Good stuff. Um, do you wanna, do you wanna tell us what the other movie is? Uh, so, uh... Scorsese's making a Joker movie set in the 80s. Oh boy. So Jared Leto's not probably going to be in there, which good, but like, what the, what, what, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's odd, this is an odd movie to make, and, Like, uh, is it, like, it's this only, dear listeners, this news only kind of dropped this, not, not even just today of recording, but like, within the last, like, hour or two before we started recording, and so, like, there's not a ton of detail yet, so I'm not sure, even sure if this is going to be considered, like, part of the DCEU. Or, um, like... I saw something on Nerdist, but I can't quite remember what it said. 
It's... Because if it's set in the 80s, like, it can't be Leto's Joker because he's not old enough, really. That's... That's almost 40 years ago. Yeah, um... That's odd. That's very odd. Man. We're gonna have to wrap this up soon so that we can have, like, a crisis of, like, our extended, or, like, advanced age on the, uh, the music break. Yeah, let's do that. Here's some music, and we're gonna go into crisis mode real quick. Uh, we'll, we'll be back. <laughs> back welcome back hope you enjoyed that music from the break as always the information will be in the show notes and we did not give enough discussion to the joker talk so uh what else do you have to say about this stuff (laughs) i mean they're making a joker movie set in the 80s and like that's yeah like it just seems like an odd conceit and i'm not sure why they're making this what they're trying to explain will it be an origin story will it be like this isn't his origin it's just what he was doing in the 80s okay thanks yeah, and, like, I, like, also, like, part of the thing about the Joker is that, like, part of his mystique is that you don't know his origin story. Exactly. Like, that's what, like, made him so compelling in The Dark Knight, which, or, like, was that, like, he told all of these different, like, stories about how, like, his dark past influenced him, but none of them were, like, there were so many of them, and, like, any of them could have been true, or none of them could have been true. Like... I feel like an origin story does not, like... You, you can't tell an origin story that will, like, live up to what the Joker is, I don't think. Yeah, like, there's no there's no origin story that's going to... It's like... I don't have faith in DC to do that. Dude, yeah, well, like... Movies. There's, it's like showing, showing the monster in, like, Cloverfield or something. Like, there's nothing that you can design that's scarier than what your brain can come up with with some hints, you know? It's kind of like, there's no way to tell how, where Darth Vader came from that worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know what you, unless you do like something, like, unless it's just when he's younger Joker and maybe how the Joker got started, not how he became the Joker, you know what I mean? Like, one could assume that the Joker's first few heists or whatever they were weren't great, but he was like, okay, I'm going to be the Joker, paints his face. Then it starts, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I would like the idea if they're like, if he, they open it like, so you're probably wondering how I got here. And then it goes back to like, well, let me tell you about how I got started, saying, because you're going to talk like that in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. And then it goes to what he says is his origin, but he just trolls you and he's already the Joker. 
Um, but it's kind of like, would he start doing, or I don't know. If it was like kind of like a Deadpoolish kind of thing, where like there were like a bunch of different origin stories, or like like Deadpool meets Clue, like meets the Dark Knight kind of thing, like yeah, just like some nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I would. But like something that. tells me that's not what Scorsese would be producing. No, he probably. If you call He's Scorsese in like for that, that's business. that's kind of funny. If you pull him in for that, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all what you possibly do with this. I, I, but you know, they have Scorsese, so hopefully it'll be good. <laughs> yeah, um, fingers gonna be crossed. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, jump. Let's jump into some. Let's call it. Let's. We should we call this? Is this news? Yeah, I don't know if we can call this news. I think it was just like uh, something more like reconfirming what people kind of suspected if not actively suspected um so joss whedon has been reconfirmed as a trash person um but like his i think his ex-wife right yeah his ex-wife recently wrote a um like a op-ed kind of like not not like to some extent tell all not like a lot of details and stuff but like just like explaining like his history of like riding on like the the bare minimum of, like, female empowerment and getting all these accolades as a male feminist while he, like, cheated on her with all of his female actresses and, like, gaslit her, like, up and down, like, for, like, 20 years. And, like, everyone on the internet was like, oh, wow, I'm so shocked to learn that about Joss Whedon. Shocked, shocked to find out that there's gambling going on in this establishment. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and and the thing that puzzled me is people made a big deal out of this. Like, oh, see, like his wife confirmed it. See, this is what happens when you like let trash men go on unchallenged. Unchecked. And I'm like, who who wasn't challenging Joss Whedon? Like, yeah, there was a lot of people giving him the reins to do shit that he had no business doing. Mm-hmm. But I don't. It's not like it's not like people weren't saying Joss stop. <laughs> yeah, they weren't the like, people in power, unfortunately. But like every time he would do something that was worth calling out, I'm pretty sure the internet was like, "Have you seen this?" I mean, like, well, that was his Wonder Woman script, right? Yeah, that was his Wonder Woman script no was, that was going around that was so trash. Like, no one was praising that. Like, he was just getting crushed by like, like his, Avengers: Age of Ultron is a thing that exists. He was getting crushed like, like. By literally everybody was like, this is kind of weird, man. Like, uh, I, I don't know. So, so to treat her, it's it's good to get confirmation. I hope she got some catharsis from it. Yeah. But um, she did not tell us anything that were like, that's a shocking revelation. Yeah. Um. The extra, the the shitty icing on the, uh, the gaslighting cake is that his comment about the whole post was not, um, like, no comment. It was, like, a kind of gaslighty comment that was, like, um, although Kai, because her name's Kai Cole, or K. Cole, K-A-I, Kai, Ms. Cole, uh, like, although her post, um, contains, like, several inconsistencies and inaccuracies, like, we're not going to comment on it this time, um, in order to maintain, like, peace within our family or something like that in this difficult time. So, like... One, not specifying, like, he doesn't specify the things she says 
that may or may not be true, according to him, which leads the reader to say, oh, well, I wonder which one of these things was a lie, or if all of them were. So, like, that's gaslighty. Oh, yeah, that, I guess, that's a good point. I guess I just was never uh, believing him. <laughs> yeah, but, like, um, and like, then also, like, by saying, like, we w- like we don't want to hurt our family any further, it's, like, putting blame on her for hurting the family by telling the truth about her abusive relationship. Yeah, like, it's... Like, like, just say no comment. S- you could say no comment or, like, uh, or even I'll comment later. Um, yeah, we're preparing a statement. Like the, there's a there's a way to say it that doesn't feel bad because I understand like, I understand the idea of like eh, there was some stuff and then it wasn't completely true like and I don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah, I, I don't, but like I'll be I'll be I don't know how you say that without coming off like a creep, but he didn't find the way. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't. Whatever it is, it wasn't the way he did it. M- Master of scripts. Master of Scripts Joss Whedon couldn't figure out a way to, uh... There was, there was no way he could, uh, could quip his way out of that or, like, make a wayfish female character battle someone barefoot to do it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Golly gosh. That's what the Gee kids whiz. say. Gee willikers. Ah, Rick and Morty was dope. Uh... Yeah, spe- speaking of assholes we, <laughs> we enjoy... I'm gonna let well, you think loaded. on. I'm gonna let you think that, on that. That's a loaded phrase for you, Dom. I'm, I'm gonna let you think on that for a little bit. Um, but Rick and Morty was good. Uh, it was a Jerry episode. Rick took Jerry on an adventure. Now, Jerry is Jerry one of Morty's parents. Jerry is Morty's father. Yes. Okay. Uh, he's very pathetic. He's quite. Uh, I think pathetic is just the operative word. Um, mm-hmm. and that's part of the joke. But they don't. It does. From what I can tell, it's. It's that he's pathetic, like, not that he, like, fails at things, because lots of people fail at things, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Morty and his parents fail at things. Rick fails at a lot of things, despite his genius, but they're never seen as failures of, like, masculinity or personhood, but Jerry is, like, pathetic in that he do- he's way too passive. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's interesting to see him and Rick, and the premise is... Uh, the premise is that Morty asks Rick to take him out to give him like a, an adventure that's sort of a win. He, he says his dad needs a win. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's some more stuff in this episode that kind of gets into spoiler territory that I don't necessarily want to get into right at this moment. Especially, I would just be talking at you and kind of monologuing to the audience, which maybe somebody cares about, but I don't think is really... This isn't the appropriate time to talk about it. Um, but I have been listening to Wisecrack's Squanchcast, which is the uh, episode Because <laughs> there's a guy called Squanchy in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who squanches. Um, he's pretty much like a cat version of Smurfs. Um, and Squanch can mean... It has meaning in context, but... Uh, the way that Smurf does. But basically, the episode... I, I, I've been listening to their podcast, and they bring up some thoughts because they try to, like overthink things and get into the philosophy of it whether or not they always land on something accurate right away Mm -hmm. um this episode actually did a lot more than i thought it did and um made me think about some other things and just remember some lines and form some other opinions on it so there's the show creators are sneaky and they'll put stuff in there that makes you think like later or once you watch the episode a second time um but yeah, there's there's like an, a decent arc for Morty going on. He gets to 
he gets to be a badass in this episode in a very understated kind of way. And mm-hmm. I really hope the theory is right that Rick, uh, that Morty's becoming more like Rick, but with a conscience. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not with a conscience. May- <laughs> who knows? Maybe, maybe Morty and Rick are just a stable time loop of a person. Who, who knows? Um, That's never out. happened in a sci-fi show before. It could, but like, there, there's not gonna, there can't be like a satisfying end to Rick and Morty just because it's so good. They're gonna have to like just pull some bullcrap and point out they're pulling bullcrap. Mm-hmm. Um to get the payoff we want but it's uh you, you know people 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 would lead that there, there's ways that could be true um that every rick is just a morty from a different universe time hopping or something like that i don't know because uh, they have complementary brain waves because that apparently means. morty is as dumb as rick is stupid but the <laughs> the sound wave he draws it's like if those are complementary waves that doesn't necessarily back up the statement that you just said mm-hmm. uh so, like, you know, they could be pulling twists or turns. And the thing about that show is continuity so heavy, but, like, any joke could just be an offhanded joke about someone being a jackass. Um, uh-huh. Because Rick is a jackass and could just be saying something to screw with somebody. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you're as dumb as I am, stupid. And you turn out to find that, no, actually, that person isn't. But he's also the, can he's confirmed as the only Rick that cares about a Morty, which is not supposed to happen. So, like... We'll see. We'll see what happens. And these are like first season things that just kind of have undercurrents. So, great show. Mm-hmm. You should catch up on it. It's good. I'll work on it. I'm getting there. Slowly but surely, I'm catching up on the other the other things in my life. <laughs> is there is there a site or something that's like the start called like a starters guy, which is basically like, hey, I want you to get into this show, and I know you'll want you'll like it if you're hooked, or maybe you won't, but you want to see what everyone's talking about. What are like? three or four episodes that i can watch that will give me like the oomph to be like this is amazing and i now i really like because maybe you won't like it it's not for everybody like nothing's for everybody Mm -hmm. but what's the point because i always recommend rick pushing number nine to people as the Uh episode is it worth watching the first five episodes to get there and realize oh this isn't as good as i hoped it was um but if you just watch that episode do you get like the build-up of the show previously to get the punch but if there was a, there was like some kind, of, some kind of things like watch episodes two, three, then six, like Steven Universe. I was gonna you say could like skip like the first half of that first season without. Cause that's all just like kind of character building, like atmosphere building stuff. Yeah, but like, how much would it hurt if you just dropped the the like the Steven bomb that ended with Jailbreak? Yeah, um, that's like something people like when people try to get people into Doctor Who. They generally don't advise you start with the very like with the first episode of the Ninth Doctor. There are like a couple, a couple like some standalones and a couple like two parters that get recommended. Um, as like, like especially like Blink, the Empty Child, the Doctor Dances, some other stuff like that. Like that people recommend you watch first before you start at episode one of like season one of the Ninth Doctor because. Like, the production values were kind of low. Um, there's some really, like, goofy nonsense happening in the first couple of episodes. Um, like, one of the things... I was listening to a, a podcast recently, and I've listened to so many podcasts recently that I don't know which one it was. It might have been Crossover Appeal. But they were saying, like, they didn't really know whether they were writing a show for kids or adults starting out. So you've got, like some farting aliens as, like, the serious antagonists and, like, some just some nonsense going throughout the, uh, 
Does it make it the worse? First couple episodes. It doesn't necessarily. It's like something that, like, once you've watched it and you're like, like the storytelling isn't bad, it's just goofy. And like, once you've watched it, you're just kind of like you look back fondly on those episodes as like, oh, but do you remember the uh, the the, the, the Slovene? Which well, they're the Slovene, but because Rose, like the the companion for the first two seasons, had such like a strong like uh, working class accent. Like, everyone thought they were called Slovene with a V instead of a TH because that's how it sounded like she was saying them. But, yeah, like, there, people recommend that you start with, like, Blink, which is in the middle of season three. Um, but it's standalone and the Doctor's barely in it, but it kind of gives you the flavor of what you can expect from a, like, from a Doctor Who episode with, like, a really fascinating story arc. Gotcha. And so, like, people are like, try starting with this one and then... If you if you like that, then then work then start from the beginning, working forward with the understanding that that's where you'll end up, like at that kind of level of storytelling. Gotcha. I mean, there's a podcast idea in there if we if we had the encyclopedic knowledge of enough shows, but I mean, like I guess with Supernatural, like changing channels is one of my favorite episodes. I'm pretty sure I made. My friends who never had never watched any Supernatural watched Changing Channels, and then one of them ended up watching the whole show. <laughs> nice, hey, you did it. <laughs> it was Sam, so it's not hard to get her to watch a whole show. But you know, that's good. So yeah, maybe, hmm, maybe we give it a shot. We'll see. I don't know what we would call it. Something with what television appeal? Ah, uh, <laughs> quick start. Qu- qu- yeah. I don't know. Uh, Mm, some kind of pun. Uh, Something revealing. Ooh, ooh, let's think on it. Uh, <laughs> what else we got here? Huh? Uh, so- See. Something that you have that I don't quite understand. Yeah, so I'm t- I like so I left myself like a lot of like comments in in my show note about the next item. Um, so N.K. Jemison is a sci-fi writer. Um, a fantastic sci-fi writer. Um, she's a black woman. Um, she won has won the Hugo Award for the second year in a row. Um, last year was for the fifth season, which is the first in her um, in her latest series. And then this year again, she won um, for the second book in the series called The Obelisk Gate. I haven't had a chance to read the second book yet, but the first one blew me away. Like I have not read a fantasy series like this. I don't even know if like if I can put a time qualifier after it, it's just, like, it's really good. Um, and it's kind of, like, it's it's a fantasy sci-fi mix. Um, and the Hugo mm-hmm. Awards are obviously, like, they're, the, like, the sci-fi fantasy literature awards. So this is just a tremendous series, um, full stop. But the um, exciting news, aside from the fact that it won, she was won back-to-back Hugo Awards for it, um, and part of that, Maybe, um, maybe a tr- actually, women actually swept the Hugo Awards pretty much this year, and there's Again? some women swept the Hugo Awards this year, almost like the, across the board. Almost like they invented the genre. Yeah, it's not. Um, <laughs> and like, I mean, like they they give awards for like, like everything from like best fanzine to like best editor of like a short story to like best novel, best novella, like. They have a lot of different awards for different 
aspects of literary, like best journalistic kind of writing, like across the, whole, the board. The whole gamut, it sounds like. Yeah, and a, a major percentage of the awards went to women, um, and this is notable. Not only because that's awesome on its face, but because um, in the last couple of years they had their uh, their the Hugo the Hugos are voted on historic have historically been voted on through like a semi democratic process like open blind voting from anyone who wanted to vote. Okay. And in the last couple of years, that got kind of hijacked by the like the the sci-fi fantasy literature version of Gamergate, the puppy, like, sad puppies or the angry yeah, puppies, I think. and all they did was give Chuck Tingle and a Hugo, as if that was, like, yeah, as a if problem that was... to anybody. <laughs> yeah, as if that was, um... Good job? <laughs> like, gonna piss some people off. But, yeah, but, um... And they, like, their goal, presumably, with that was to, like, delegitimize the award, but, like, everyone was like... You have to not get caught for that to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First off. Um. um but they kind of cleaned up the way the voting process works this year. Um so that it was fairer. And shocking how like when there's a fair and representative voting process it reflects it reflects like women more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird for you people chance. Um Stuff like um, that always is odd. Statistically, yeah. I'm just interested. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the, it's similar to, like, any, th- any kind of thing like that, like the Voting Rights Act. Like, if you give people of color and, like, people of lower income brackets, like, across the board, like, the fair chance to cast a valid vote, and, like, if shit isn't gerrymandered to hell, <laughs> like... It can the actually, outcome's gonna be way different. Yes. And more representative of the population. So yeah, especially um, like if there's a certain population like creating. I don't know what uh, the I don't know what the um breakdown is of of women creating, but I'm sure there's enough that it's statistically possible for them to sweep without it being I don't know. Like equally as unlikely as all men winning. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. But yeah, it's good. Um, good there, and but the exciting news that broke this week about that because the Hugo's weren't this week, um, to the best of my knowledge, and they were a week or two ago, is that not only is all this goodness going on, um, the series got optioned for a TV show, um, with TNT, which is like an interest, kind of an interesting choice, um, because it's it feels more like an HBO show to me, like more like sweeping, like high budget, like kind of deal, but I'm interested to see if and how it turns out. Hopefully good. Yeah, and, like, on the on the flip side of it, it feeling like a more, like, premium channel show is that, like, this is, like, an incredibly diverse and, like, rich, richly built series from a creative color on a show that's, or, like, on a, on a channel that is not like extra money to watch like that's a basic cable channel which could mean that it's more accessible to more people so that could be cool legit legit. i'm excited good hope it turns out good hope it turns out good hope good things are good 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell me about these last little uh, representative of us? Yeah, let's uh, let's run through some stuff. So game, character notes here. Gamescom is this week, I believe, is in Germany. Uh, Gamescom. Keska. I feel like it's basically like a video games Comic Con. Uh, okay. Not quite E3 or PAX. It's like a German PAX. I, I keep saying German. Is it? Hold on. Okay. True. North Rhine, Westphalia, Germany. Okay. Got it. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So Gamescom is in Germany. And the way that people talk about it, it feels kind of like a PAX or, or, or Comic Con to me. And there's like a bunch of announcements and different stuff and always news that comes out of it. Uh, so a lot of the news is just breaking today and yesterday. Um, just today, I saw they have another trailer for Fire Emblem Warriors for the switch which is there's actually a the switch the switch got games y'all the switch got straight up the switch got games unlike the wii u like there's already we already got breath of the wild splatoon 2 sonic mania poyo poyo tetris mario odyssey's coming out mario and rabbits is coming out fire emblem warriors like there's hits hits are coming out for the switch um it's already kicking the crap out of the wii u so that came out i'm gonna um, say it's interesting that like there it's not like it's like a different co- like company creating a new console like just they just kind of good old Nintendo. They just decide to pull their heads out of their asses, in a way. Um, I mean, their heads are still like uh, sphincter adjacent with some of the stuff they're doing <laughs> with the online. But I mean, all these games are quality worth having. I mean, Puyo Puyo Tetris is something you just throw on for a little bit. Splatoon Two, great online. Breath of the Wild speaks for itself. Sonic Mania, I think, for a lot of people, it, at least for me. I got, since the PC version got delayed, I, I know another friend who also bought it on the Switch because they're like, I just, I guess I'll just get another copy for now. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it, it really is fun for the Switch, which is cool. Um, but yeah, so there, there was an announcement to, uh, today. There's more Splatoon 2 content coming, which is what they tend to do. So announcing it at Gamescom is just them flexing because they have time to announce and stuff. We've gotten a new weapon every week since it's been released, but uh, they promised... These bubble blower special weapons, like essentially ultimates for Splatoon. There was a giant bubble wand that you wave, and if you shoot it with your team, it explodes in your ink. If the other team shoots it, it falls out. Um, and it's even in the game as a special, but you can't access it because the weapons are pre-selected. Um, so there's a mm-hmm. weapon coming out, I think, like either this weekend or next, that'll have that as its special. So that's kind of cool. What else? They have a new map for the Salmon Run. It's kind of like the horde mode so if you've played any, mm-hmm. like the, the zombie modes of call of duty or anything like that it's like one of those so there's a new map for that instead of the two we've been running there's a third one so that's nice and they're getting a new uh multiplayer map that's just like on a cruise ship so that's kind of cool and it was real cute seeing the, the the guy that announced it uh he would every time he would like it's translated from J- japan but uh every time he would say splatoon 2 he'd put his hands like in a two shape um I, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know if he had a very eclectic showing at E3 when he did, like, mm. the dually pose. But uh, if you have any Pittsburgh listeners, if you remember, or if, if you remember the Zoltan salute with the Z. What's that from? Duder's my car? Yeah. Uh, so it's basically that, but curlier. So, you know, in the other direction, obviously. So you get, like, a 2 slash platoon S. So, yeah, so th- there's stuff for that. And then... um. They didn't announce it at Gamescom, but they demoed it. Uh, there's a new map coming to Overwatch, Junkertown. Mm-hmm. Um, data miners have cool. heard of it, and it's something that's been referenced before. But it's where Junkrat and, and uh, Roadhog kind of live, and Diva has apparently been there. Or at least she has a skin that references battles 
in Junker Town, uh-huh. like mech battles. Um, it's kind of like their apocalypse little city, and there's an uh, there's an animation that came out that goes with it. I highly recommend you check it out. It's uh, it, nice. You can really get to see Junkrat like in his prime of the kind of person he is. Um, <laughs> one funny thing that's like a freeze frame, just kind of joke. He like throws his hand at Roadhog. He's like, "There's two things you need to remember," and he puts up three fingers. Just like his animation is like a masterclass in expression and it's emo- emoting. Um, so there's mm-hmm. that. And uh, the Overwatch Contenders was this past weekend, which is sort of like a like I said, it's like a farm league kind of thing. Like pro teams will play, and there's a chance to get like scouted or whatever. But essentially, they have a European division of eight teams and a North American version of eight teams, and they just kind of play the way you would any other sport. Um, the announcing's pretty good. It's, it's it's fun. It's just fun watching pro play. And apparently, there's a different, uh, slightly different patch they're using of uh, mechanics than what the World Cup was using, just to make mm-hmm. it fair. So there was a lot of Doomfist coming out. Uh, you know, people trying to run the typical composition they've been running, and Doomfist just punches right through that because he doesn't care. Um, a lot of Sombra, a lot of stuff that people just say is not good. The, the pros are like, yeah, you thought it wasn't good. Uh, May is getting used, which I haven't seen May on a, on my computers on my on a Twitch stream in months, other than like really random last ditch effort things. But some fun matches. It's it's pretty cool. So nice. that's that's what I did with the first half of my Saturday. Good stuff. But yeah, that's basically the stuff that I've seen this week. It's 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 been fun. It's, it's been a ride. Yeehaw! You want to take a break? Yeah. Here's music. Alrighty, I hope you all enjoyed that last little bit of music there, and as always, um, it is time for our last section of the week. Stuff we got this week. John, what kind of cool shit did you get? I got ripped off. <laughs> no, I didn't get ripped off. I, uh, uh, so, I, I, I'm getting the Sonic Mania Collector's Edition, mm-hmm. but when I ordered it, I was living at home with my parents, and I thought it was coming out earlier How than long it was. ago was that? You've been living in this house for, like... Oh, I think, I made it, bud. So I think it was uh, like in last March, and I expected Dang. it to come out. I don't know. I don't know when it was coming out, but I was like, I, I knew it was going to be a hot commodity. And mm-hmm. if there's also the possibility that I knew I was going to be. Well, I didn't know when I was moving out. So if it was like last, that's fair. Like last June, even, and I'm like, oh, it'll come out next year. I didn't know if I'd be moved. So I'm like, I'll just send it home, or maybe I ordered it here and just forgot. Change the address. <laughs> it's it's good. The world's my oyster. Possibilities yeah. are endless. I had like a 
like, a minor moment of panic last week when I, because I got an email that was like, make sure you confirm your New York Comic Con badge mailing address by Friday. And I was like, holy shit, where did I send it? <laughs> you have it come into your place now? Um, It's actually going to my workplace. So Convenient. Not moving. Uh, hopefully won't be leaving there before my before my badge comes. So yeah, uh, that'd be nice. Works out. Besides that, are you getting anything? You get anything this week? I got a lot of stuff this week, man. Um, I got. We went. This is our our wild bachelorette party weekend. This part of the <laughs> weekend, we ended up going to Goodwill. Okay. Um, we were in like Greenwich Village area, and uh. Our friends wanted to go to a record store, um, and then she was, like, remembering how, like, I have, like, wild Goodwill karma, <laughs> um, especially at New York Goodwills. So Goodwill, and, Goodwill. Yeah, I have Goodwill, Goodwill. So I went, we were like, hey, well, there's one just five minutes away. Let's go check it out. Um, and I actually found this, like, really pretty, like, taffeta patterned, um, like, cream and black dress. That I probably ended up wearing to the same friend's wedding. It's like a very kind of like vintagey, like like fifties housewife kind of cut, like the fitted waist with like the poofy skirt and just like three quarter sleeves and the way the collar's cut is very like vintagey looking. But um it was literally on the floor under the rack where like people put the stuff that they tried on and didn't fit them back. I was just like, cool. Hey, what's this? <laughs> and I picked it up, I was like, oh, it's a pretty dress, let me try it on. And I yeah. tried it on, and it fit perfectly, and I was like, how about that? That's the way the world works, sometimes. Yeah. That's good, that's 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 really awesome. I'm glad you so, got yeah. a nice dress. Not a pretty dress? It was like $12, like whatever the standard dress price is at New York Goodwills. <laughs> so, um, going chronologically, of course, through this weekend, um, then I went to FlameCon. There it is. Um, and I spent... probably a solid four of the six hours I was there in the dealer's room. So I spent a lot of money in the dealer's room. (laughs) That's alright. You probably got some choice stuff. I got got some choice stuff. I got a postcard for you. Well, thank you. um, Along with a print that you had wanted, like a Hamilton versus Jefferson, like, kind of boxing match poster print that you had wanted to get at Comic-Con last year that ended up selling out. And then I got... A print for myself of the Voltron Squad. Um, that's like a bigger one. That's like a frame size kind of print, not like a big, big one, but like it's like eleven by tw- by seventeen kind of size, as opposed to like a postcard size. Um, I got a little cute Yuri and Ice poster set, like postcard size print. You would do that. I know, right? Um, my roommate also likes it, so it's something we can hang up in the in the living room as opposed to me putting it in my room. Y'all would um, do that. <laughs> I got her, as I mentioned earlier, a keychain um, from Ngozi uh, Yukabe's booth, the Check Please author. I got, um, I met Kate Leth, and I got a non-compliant print, the, like, the tattoo flash, like, don't tell me to, to smile version. Um, it's our friend Mallory's uh, profile picture on Facebook right now. Oh, gotcha. Thank you. Um, she's the director, or she's the, the original artist of that image. So I got one of those for Mallory as, like, a little present. Solid, um, solid. Yeah, yeah. I'm living the dream. Um, I don't know. I got. I, I know I got some other stuff, but it's mostly just, like, I spent a lot of money on prints and art and shit. Yeah, I gotta start buying the frames. It's some cool stuff. Um, 
And then the most expensive thing I did in last week, but thankfully also the most permanent, um, and bouncing off of the uh, the mention of the non-compliant tattoo or <laughs> the non-compliant tattoo flash, is that I got um, a tattoo yesterday. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it is I I had the the non-compliant logo from Bitch Planet, um, at it or like tattooed on my back like two years ago now almost. Um, oh wow. Yeah. Right. It would have been April of 2016, so not quite two years, like a year and a half. Um, but I, it was just the outline. I always had the intention of getting it filled in with some kind of something, some kind of color or pattern or something, but I had never quite committed. Um, I didn't want to get the bi- pride flags that felt a little too on the nose, but figured I love space. I'm never going to not love space. Um so after a bunch of research, I ended up finding a place that could do, like, a really pretty kind of galaxy pattern inside the outline that I already had. So um, I went and did that yesterday, and I was very brave and went by myself and um, did not pass out. Although, in like, it's, it's dumb because I have, like, a very, I, I don't have, a like, a, a small pain tolerance. Like, I can tolerate pain, but something, like... And even, like, once I, like, was focusing and, like, not, like, I think part of it is, like, I'm, like, holding my breath because I don't want to, like, move, like, my back muscles and, like, him to mess up or whatever. Um, But once I, like, was, like, breathing like a human being and (gasps) not, like, flipping myself out thinking about the, like, the whole aspect of, like, a needle punching into my skin, I was fine. Which is a an upside over the last two times I've had something pierced or tattooed. Because when I got my nose ring, um, nose pierced, I almost passed out. And when I got the first part of the tattoo, I almost passed out. But I came prepared this time psychologically <laughs> and physically. Like, I brought, like, orange juice and, like, some sugary snacks and stuff that would, like, if I was gonna feel like I was woozy, that would, like, hype me back up. So you you got it. Yeah, you, I was having prepared. plans. That's that's smart. Having a plan is always a good idea. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it, except for the fact that um, for the next like three weeks it's the healing period. So that's, like that's less fun. Yeah, less fun. Like usually I don't sleep with a shirt on. Ooh, salacious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was reading like. I was just, like, paging through aftercare sites last night, like, how to, how to, like, really take care of your tattoo after it's been done. And one of the things was, like, like, saying, like, if you, especially while you're sleeping, because, like, it's basically an open wound, it's still kind of, like, not, oozy is a gross word, but, like, it's healing. So it's the same... it's, it, it is kind of oozy. It's juicy. It's juicy. Like <laughs> that's bad juicy. not less gross. No, but it is gross. That's. But yeah, it's gross. Um, and like they were like, whatever is touching your back, like or we're touching where your tattoo is for a while, could stick to it, and you don't want to like yank it off when that happens, like because pulling up until it's really healed, like pulling up a scab or something, can pull like the ink out with it. Makes sense. And so it was like, so if you like, if you're sleeping and your tattoo is touching the sheets and it sticks to the sheets, like 
you want you don't want to yank yourself off the sheets. You want to pull up all the sheets with you and go in the bathroom and like rinse the sheet off of your tattoo, basically. And I was like, I'm not interested in doing that. Yeah, so it shirts much better, much better. Yeah. So it's like I'm. Unfortunately, last night it was like 90 degrees. So even with my air conditioner on, I was like suffering all night. But I mean, that's that's just that's just regular. It's a price to pay. That's just regular garbage, brother. Yeah. So. Mm. Gonna go from oozy to itchy to scabby to to pretty again, and I'll I'll post I'll post a picture on our Instagram for the uh, once once it's pretty the folks at home. or, or yeah. the bad zones okay. <laughs> well, I mean, like one like the original like the shot they take right after it's finished isn't except for it like being red around the edges isn't like gross looking, but like as part of the healing process, like it scabs over and then like flakes. Kind oh, of. right, right. I've seen and then, that a little bit. And then it's healed. So, like... That's not so bad. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. But yeah. We, we that's, did it. That's what I'm in for. That's my, my tattoo story. It was actually really funny because I wore it... The t-shirt I wore yesterday was, um... It's my softest, like, loosest t-shirt. Like, it's something that I can, like... It has, like, a really wide-cut collar. So, like, I was able to pull it down, like, over my arm and, like, tuck it under my armpit so that he could just get at my shoulder blade. Uh, without having to take the whole shirt off. And it, so I was like, that's why I wore this shirt yesterday. But it also has, like, the sun right on the front of it and a lot of, like, astrological symbols. <laughs> and I was like, man, everyone is going to think that I dressed up, specific, like, that I was, like, eclipse-themed, like, oh, yeah, trying like to... That, <laughs> like, you are being that person. I was being that guy, and it was rather... It, like, it was just... Like, I actually wore the same t-shirt the day that I got the first part of this same tattoo because I was just like... It, it works. It's, it's, it's soft and comfortable. <laughs> like, it doesn't touch me that that hard, like. So, that's that's the end of my story. No hard shirts. Those are the things that I, No hard shirts is what I got this week. Uh. It's been another week. <laughs> it sure has. We did it. Uh. So, uh, quick announcement. Uh, before we do the social media biz, I'm going to stream next week, everyone. Uh, I'm going to stream Sonic Mania on the PC because it comes out on Tuesday. And then I might do some, like, streaming of the editing process of this, which... Nice. That's a weird thing to say. Uh, not So not this one, but <laughs> next week's. Next uh, week's. We'll, we'll figure it out, but basically just something to try to connect with people. So if there are fans of the show so far, then those people... Um, if there's just people that know me on Twitter or know stuff on Twitter, come chit chat with me. Check it out and me. see how it, come, how it goes. Yeah, come hang out in the stream, see some Sonic Mania, see some edits, yell questions at me. It'll, it'll be cool. And it's, it's, even though it's Twitch, it'll be not a lot of people in the chat to start with, or we can have moderation and I can get some buddies if need be. But, uh, I know people hear horror stories about Twitch. But that's when mm-hmm. there's, like, thousands of people, like, randos of communities that haven't been, like, cultivated that well. Um, there's some communities that are really, really nice and wholesome, even when they get past, like, the thousand mark, just because the streamer pushed that. So, you know, Twitch isn't inherently bad the same way that, like, Reddit technically isn't, Tumblr isn't, and 4chan doesn't have to be. Uh, it turned into that, but it doesn't have to be that, so... Um, yeah, come come see that next week. So Tuesday, the 29th or thirtieth, that kind of stuff. 
Good stuff. Cool. How about the social media biz for the homies? Yeah, um, let me jump right into that. So if you want to follow us on the internet, you can do that. We are on Twitter at char- Character Rev. Uh, I almost said that with kind of a Long Island accent. I don't know where that was coming from. Um, Long Island. Character uh, R-E-V, no spaces or any kind of punctuation in between there. Just character R-E-V, two R's in the middle. Um, follow each of us individually on our various social meds. Um, Dom, pretty much anywhere you want to find him, at Brother Dom. You can find me on Twitter at, the, at, at Captain Steph. You can find me on Tumblr at the Snowqueer. You can find me on Instagram at Steph. Um, you can follow this podcast on Facebook. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you'd rate and review, that would be awesome. It gets people, um, gets us a little more attention. People can find us. Um, let us know whether you like it. If you do like it, that's awesome. If you don't like it, let us know what we can fix. Exactly. Um, if you do like us, um, we also have a Patreon where you can support our podcasting habit financially. Um, we're not asking a lot. Like, it our top donation tier is five dollars um if you can give more that's crazy awesome if you can't give more a dollar is awesome every little bit helps and i think we Um, even like the rewards we have i think you even get them for a dollar and we'll make sure to really kick it into gear once uh you know if people want those things kind of steps up so um that's it, right? But yeah, that's that's about it. If you, and if you can't find us anywhere else, um, you can always just listen to us in your browser by going to characterreveal.simplecast.fm. Yes. That's the good stuff. That's pretty much it. Thanks for thanks for showing up, everyone. Coming to listen. That means a lot. Yeah, we love I you. I don't know why that sounds love sarcastic. You. I totally meant it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, glad, I'm glad people listen to us, you know. So we get some pretty interesting numbers sometimes. So, you know, thanks everyone who's been pushing through. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Till next time. See you later. Adios. Ooh, fancy. Ooh, mix it up. Peace.